for me, the Enneagram is almost this window into, oh, how am I trying to be my own Jesus? How am I trying to like be my own savior in life? That's really what the Enneagram is. It kind of shows us where we are keeping ourselves stuck because Mm -hmm. of our fears or because of what we're trying to get out of life. Life is more abundant when I realize that I don't have to white knuckle my way towards this thing. Welcome to the Next Level Leader Podcast, where I want to help you escape average and lead at the next level. There's more in you, and it's time that you learn to lead at your full potential. So join me on this next level journey as we learn to escape average one day at a time. It's time to grow to the next level. The world is waiting. All right, welcome back to episode number 22 of the Next Level Leader podcast. And you are in for a treat today. Today's podcast is an interview with Kim Eddy, the Christian Enneagram coach. And she's not just an Enneagram coach. She is an author of the Enneagram for Beginners. She's an entrepreneur. She leads the Christian Enneagram Club and is the host of the Christian Enneagram podcast. And today we have an incredible conversation about leadership and the Enneagram that you are not going to want to miss. It's not only going to help you to understand yourself better, but to better understand how to lead and inspire your team. So without further ado, let's jump into my conversation with Kim Eddy. And uh, Kim, we actually got to meet each other online. We got to meet each other over Instagram, I believe. But I've got a chance to read your book, got a chance to see your work, and I really believe that the Enneagram can be an incredible tool for leaders. So I wanted to have someone on to talk about the Enneagram, and when I think Enneagram, the first person I think is Kim Eddy. There's a lot of people out there, there's a lot of people with big, big followings, yet probably one of the most consistent people I've seen put out the best information for people. Uh, Kim, it's been you, so it's an honor to have you on the podcast Uh, Why don't you introduce yourself so our listeners can get to know you the way that I know you? Yeah, thank you, Jeff. That is a, that is such an honor, like to to hear that. Yeah, I think we did meet on Instagram. I think you found me, followed me, and then I was like, wait, who's this guy? This is awesome. Uh, I remember you encouraging me early on in my kind of Instagram, putting my thoughts out there days. Um, So in some ways, I kind of credit being able to actually write a book to people like you who were kind of encouraging and just giving little snippets of um, uplifting me on Instagram. So yeah, yeah, I am Kim Eddy. I am a recently published author, and that is a big God story. And uh, I love the Enneagram. I found it a, oh, about four years ago now. Um, And I was a coach before that added the Enneagram into what I was doing, because it's such a great tool for growing in understanding, growing in empathy, and really connecting to the hearts of other people. So that's kind of what I'm all about. That's what I share, um, you know, on the internet. That's what I wrote about in my book. Um, So that's kind of, that's who I am. Yeah. Yeah. Well, congratulations on the book. It was, uh, it was really phenomenal. Um, It's almost coming up on the year anniversary of where you sent it to me and said, Hey, can you read this advanced copy? I know I was so excited to do that. So we both got a chance to put out books this year. I know that there are listeners who are are thinking about putting out books, but um, perhaps one of the best things that we need before we put out a book is really some self-awareness. 
um, because otherwise (laughs) it's going to teach us the hard way. And I think there's a lot of lessons that when I take on big challenges, like writing a book or starting a new business this year, um, I go back to the Enneagram so often because it helps me to really center around, hey, Jeff, why, why are you making that decision? Is that from a healthy place? Is that from an unhealthy place? Is that the best thing for the people that you lead? Or is that just the best thing for really for you? So um, walk me through what you see are the best ways that a leader who's leading teams, whether those are volunteers, those are paid staff, um, or even really just leading their family. What's the best way that a leader can use the Enneagram to lead better, to level up their leadership, and to make a greater impact on the people around them? Oh, that is such a good question. I think one of the best reasons to really dive into the Enneagram is because we all have this assumption and it's sometimes called common error, uh, where we assume that people see and have the same perspective on life that we do. And it's not true, you know, and we can know this on an intellectual level pretty easily, but really getting to the heart and allowing other people to have different perspectives without assuming theirs is wrong because it's not ours um, is, is one of the most powerful tools that I've seen with the Enneagram. It's really this kind of radical empathy, this, this empathy and understanding that goes beyond oh, I'm sorry, you don't think the way that I do. I'll try and give you space for that. It's like, no, I'm going to create and hold space for you to be a different person than I am um, and not look at you less uh, or think of you less, not try and change you to be a carbon copy of me so that you agree with me, um, not try to um, assume that your strengths are going to be my strengths, your weaknesses, my weaknesses. So I need to treat you as if you're me um, and really allow somebody else to be, to be different, to have unique capabilities and um, unique areas for growth, unique areas to support and help uh, be that shoulder for them in a way that we don't need from other people necessarily. There's it's for me, it's really understanding and allowing people to be different than us. And when you take that understanding and you really get allow that to kind of run deep in you as a leader, then you aren't leading more use. You aren't leading more copies of you. You are allowing people to be who they are, uh, who they were created to be and becoming encompassing and embodying those unique differences in a way that allows them to flourish as themselves. Um, and, and it's really a beautiful place to be as a leader. And I think it's a beautiful place to be as someone who is being led to be fully understood, um, you know, as much as we can understand another person allowed to be themselves, um, and, and feeling like they are being heard and seen for who they are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've found in my leadership journey, Um, especially coaching. Um, Coaching leaders across the country has helped me to become a better leader than anything else because I see it from an outside perspective. And I've found that when people feel comfortable to just be themselves, when they really believe they can show up as their unique, authentic selves at work, their production, their level of effectiveness, it, it, it almost rises 10 times at least at minimum because they're not trying to be 
you. They're not trying to be me. They're not trying to put on a face. And uh, But I've also seen this, probably the biggest struggle that leaders have across the board, across the country, different organizations, for-profit, non-profit that I've found is that we tend to try to make those carbon copies of ourselves. <laughs> so yeah. leadership development for most leaders means, okay, well, I'm a good leader. It was recognized in me. So let me teach you to do the things I did. But the things you did to become a great leader, the things I did to become a great leader, those aren't the things anybody else needs to do because that was my journey. So leadership is really flipping it on its head and saying, instead of teaching you to do what I did, let me listen. Let me mine for the gold that's inside of you. Let me find what needs to come out of you, what your special superpowers are, what your leadership superpowers are, and how we can really develop those and, and unleash those into the world. So I think that's incredible. And the yeah. Enneagram really teaches us, um, really teaches us to ask those questions, right? Teach yeah. us to ask those questions about a person's motivation. So when you look at the Enneagram, we all want to talk about our types. Okay. <laughs> Probably. And there are people who are listening who are saying, Jeff, what in the world's the Enneagram? Right. And uh, we, we don't want to bore you with that. You can, you can really look that up. If you're brand new to the Enneagram, um, it'll be a joy for you. But there are others who would probably most listeners would say, I, I know what the Enneagram is and I know my number. I've taken a test. I've done a thing. And of course, I know the first few times that I ever took a test, um, I think the first three tests I took, they all tied as a one and a three. And it just became more confusing for me. Am, am I one? Am I three? What does that look like? Um, some leaders, when when they get those tests, they say, oh, that, that's, that's garbage. I don't want to be, you know, identified by a number or determined by a number. So um, help us to understand the numbers, help us to understand how our uniqueness fits into the different types. And uh, then from there, when we get done, we'll actually talk a little bit about leadership from each type. Yeah, no, that sounds great. So the Enneagram, and I won't go too far into it because this can go for this can become a very long answer, but really the Enneagram is almost a collection of nine different perspectives on the world, kind of how we view and try and move through the world to minimize pain, to feel like we are okay in life, right? Um, and I come from a Christian faith-based perspective. So really for me, the Enneagram is almost this window into, oh, how am I trying to be my own Jesus? How am I trying to like be That's my good. own savior in life? And the Enneagram really is um, this collection of fears or desires, these motivations that are pared down to kind of nine different main motivations, you could say. Uh, and from those motivations kind of pours out these behaviors or these beliefs, like underlying beliefs, you might say, or these perspectives. Um, so an example for me as a type one, I have this deep underlying belief that I'm not okay unless I'm doing the right thing, avoiding mistakes, and remaining kind of above reproach, you know, from myself or other people. Yeah. So this pours out in my life as this striving to be perfect. If you follow that to its logical conclusion, if that's my belief in life, that being my own Jesus or saving myself in life looks like being perfect, I'm going to struggle with judgment of myself, of other people. I'm going to be very standards oriented, like this is the right thing. I'm going to struggle with uh, right and wrong, black and white thinking and 
not kind of have finding it hard to find the nuance and allow there to be nuance in life. Uh, So, so for me as a type one, that's kind of how it plays out that first lie or that first belief that I'm not okay. If fill in the blank, and that leads me to chase after perfection, run away from mistakes and, uh, spend my life striving in that way. And kind of every type has a certain way that they strive. They have something they're running away from or running towards and running away from. And um, so, so that's really what the Enneagram is. And many people can get caught up in the behaviors like you might with Myers-Briggs or, or some other things that are really much more external. This is how you show up in life. um, And that's how kind of your, your personality type in that structure is determined. But with the Enneagram, it's really like, how are you approaching life? What is the motivation behind that? Um, and then that's going to come out in these behaviors. You, you might show up in some certain ways that, that match up with people from your same type, but it really stems from that motivation, what drives us towards those behaviors. Um, and so, so that's really what the Enneagram is. That's one reason why it can be hard to find our type because there's a lot of reasons yeah. that we might not know what's really driving us. Um, yeah. And so sometimes it takes getting to know ourselves or starting to peel back the layers over those underlying beliefs of how that's we're right. trying to be okay um, that allows us to, uh, to find our type. Um, I may have gotten off in the weeds, so you may have to pull me back. (laughs) No, that was good. That was good. Um, You know, I think probably for a a year or so, I kind of dove into the Enneagram because it was important to people on my team, actually. Mm -hmm. At the time, I was leading a team, had a lot of young leaders who were heavy into the Enneagram. And I said, okay, if this is important to them, it needs to be important to me. And I remember taking the test and getting frustrated by it and saying, you know, I don't need another, I don't need another box in my life. Like the Myers-Briggs that says, Hey, Jeff's an ENTJ, which means he's a jerk. He's a jerk. (laughs) That's going to get things done because those boxes didn't feel like who I was. Um, Mm -hmm. But I remember a moment for me where I read the road back to you. Okay. And there's two books Mm -hmm. I would really recommend about the Enneagram. If, if you're getting started to read Kim's book, the Christian Enneagram, um, or the Enneagram for Beginners. Um, I'm going to let you give the whole title. It, it's an incredible book. So if you're a beginner to the Enneagram or you just want to kind of catch up, that's a great book. If you want to go a little deeper, um, Ian Morgan Crone's book is a little thicker. It just dives into each type. And I remember reading his book and reading the type one and going, I like that guy. Yeah, that's the type of leader I want to be. Organized, <laughs> efficient, uh, full of integrity by the rules. That's who I want to be. And then I got to the three with the threes motivations. And I was actually, um, this, this is going to, this isn't going to sound like great leadership, right? But I was reading it on the weekend and I was up in my room so I could get, you know, some quiet. And I remember reading the three and just to be very vulnerable, I wept through that entire explanation of the fears and where things came from because it hit me and I realized that's exactly where my motivations are. That's exactly why I lead the way I do. And I realized some fears from even my childhood, early adulthood that were driving me. And I I felt exposed. No one else is is in my room with me. And I felt exposed. And I remember having that conversation with my wife later that night. And I said, the three has to be the one that I am. 
because I love the idea of being a one. When I read the, the real core motivations and where it comes from of three, I knew exactly the fears that are driving me. I don't want to be driven by fear. I want to be driven by who I could be. So I began to leverage the things with the one, but it really changed the idea of what does a three look like healthy? And, and I remember it saying that a three healthy looks like six. So a three is the achiever who can easily kind of step on people if we're not careful. Um, but also the, the six is the loyalist. And I remember thinking, I want to take that journey to get healthy. So help me to understand for each type, okay? For each type, if you'll just kind of walk through and give me what's the shadow side of that type's leadership, okay? And I know it's kind of broad, but what's the shadow side, the, the underbelly of our leadership that if we're not careful, if we're not self-aware, it will sabotage us for each type. But also, what do you see as the leadership superpower for each type um, when they're getting healthy? Uh, because I think that that road to people starting to almost mistype me as a six at times is very helpful for me right now because I'm trying to walk in that health. So help us to see what what's the shadow side we need to be careful of and what does it look like for us just to be walking in exactly who we are, that leadership superpower, that healthy leader we want to be. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I also I also just want to quickly touch on what you said. So like type three can, you mentioned uh, kind of moving to six. And I just want to mention that um, we kind of we do take on those things. But you're still a healthy three, mm -hmm. even if you're taking on, you know, you're you're staying on your home base, but you're like, I'm going to be more, uh, I'm going to strive for more beyond my type, which is also one of the things that, uh, I'm not sure if it's in the road back to you, but Ian Morgan Cron, one of his quotes is the Enneagram doesn't put you in a box. Mm -hmm. It shows you the box you're already in so you can get out of it. Yes. Um, and that might be, uh, an incorrect paraphrase, but it, that is his, his quote. It's not mine. Uh, but that's really what the Enneagram is. It kind of shows us where we are keeping ourselves stuck because mm -hmm. of our fears or because of what we're trying to get out of life. And as we notice those things and allow uh, those fears to, to be lifted off of us or, or remind ourselves that, oh, those things that we're striving for in life, we don't have to strive so hard. Like they are free gifts. Um, and we can, we can lean into them. We can, you know, life is more abundant when I realize that, um, yeah. that, that I don't have to white knuckle my way towards this thing. Um, and, and that's often when we see ourselves lean into our leadership superpower, our type mm -hmm. superpowers. And what we're going to talk about right now is specifically from that leadership perspective. So I usually go type one to nine because <laughs> I am a <laughs> linear thinker and that's just kind of just how I move. Uh, there's no hierarchy though. So if you're new to the Enneagram, they're numbered. That's simply for us to keep them in order. There's no one that's best or worst. Um, so type one, what I would say for the shadow side of leadership, a type one can get lost in the linear thinking and can think that there is one way. And as a leader, that can sometimes trickle down to be this um, incredibly uh, process-based but not allowing for nuance or spontaneity. And yeah. if there is a hair out of place, it can feel like the whole thing is tumbling down for that type one leader. And so they can get lost in micromanaging or believing that 
they as the leader need to be the one to say, this is how it's all going to play out. Do not break the rules. Do not try your own stuff. Yeah. I've laid it out. Just follow it. Um, that's one side of the coin. I usually look at our shadow side or our superpower as two sides of the same coin, right? How are you, or, or almost like we're leaning too far into our superpower and that's when it becomes a shadow side. Mm. So what I kind of think of for a type one's superpower in leadership is they can really rally people to a vision. Like this yeah. is where we're headed. And when a type one allows for spontaneity, for people to have good ideas and good processes and come up with creative solutions that the type one might not see immediately, uh, then when, they're, when they allow collaboration, then that type one can be a visionary with a good first draft. Uh, and then the team is working mm. together and everything is moving forward. And the type one can allow other people to really uh, own the process, to own what, what's happening. Um, and when the type one allows, oh, my vision might not be what we end up with, but it can still be good, <laughs> you yeah. know, uh, and when the type one let, lets go of some of that control. Uh, moving on to type two, a shadow side, something that might be hard for type two leaders is not, is allowing other people to help in the process. A type two can sometimes get caught up in taking care of everybody's needs that, that what needs to happen for the group to move forward, whatever that is, um, can not be done because the type two is focusing on the needs of each individual and maybe losing the vision sometimes of where we're all headed together. And yeah. so a type two leaning into their superpower is going to look like asking for help when they need it, allowing people to feed into and nourish them um, and, and moving forward, being willing to say, no, this is what we're doing We'll take care of you in a second. This is where we're headed. So and let's that's go. so hard for a type two leader to say, we'll take, yeah. this is what we're doing, setting a boundary. We'll take yes. care of you in a second. Naturally, that's, that's difficult. Right. And, and also it can be very difficult for a type two to say, we'll do that in a second. I need to take care of me. Mm. I need a minute to, to nourish myself or I need a boundary on my time that can be difficult for a type two as well. And so they get burnt out as a leader or they, um, they miss some, some efficiency or, or productivity or whatever that looks like, mm -hmm. uh, because they're getting burnout on the needs or agendas of others in the group. Yeah. Uh, so, so really being able to, uh, set the boundaries that need to be set because there's a goal where everybody is taken care of in the process is yeah. important for a type two to keep their eye on. Yeah. Now type three, and I'm not picking on you. This is just, we're here. Yeah. And this I don't know if you. I'm excited or scared on this one. So, <laughs> well, I already picked on myself. So, so it's fair. Uh, well, a type three, one thing that a type three might find themselves leaning too far into is trying to almost maybe taking on the personalities of the people of the people in the group and trying to be charismatic as a leader and that can 
that's important. That's a natural strength of a, of a type three is to be charismatic and connect with the people uh, in the group. But sometimes it can look like when taken too far, oh, this is going to derail us, you know, and, and that's one way, or, or it can look like kind of depending on where the type three is leaning, it can look like being too productive oriented and getting frustrated that they're moving faster than the other people in the group, you know, yeah, that's, the type three, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> that is the, the thing that frustrates me most in life is working with the team and saying, why aren't they moving fast enough? And it's right. been really hard to get to the point, Kim, of going, maybe I'm moving too fast. Maybe I yeah. need to slow down. Yeah. A type three is naturally um, very efficient when they are focused on something and wants to move forward quickly. And we all work at different speeds and it, it's, it's one superpower that a type three has when they recognize this and recognize when it might be going too far is to communicate and to hmm. uh, really share the vision and be the cheerleader. And this can look like the type three slowing down, or this can look like the type three communicating that vision and everybody's like, oh, I didn't know that's why you wanted us to go that fast, you know? Yeah. So now I'm on board. And it's it's allowing the nuance there um, is important for a type three, but being willing to share the vision and cheer everybody on is a natural strength of a type three when they're, when mm. they're being healthy as a leader. Is yeah. the struggle with nuance, is that a three thing in me? Is that a one thing in me? Or is that where they kind of, where they mesh? Because I'm, I'm very black and white. Let's go after that goal. There isn't this is the way um, until the thing that gets in the way is the black mm -hmm. and white. And then I'm extremely, extremely gray. So that, that nuance, I it just out of curiosity, is that more one, is that three, or is that where, with some of us, the types kind of mesh together a little bit based on experience and what you've went through as a person. Yeah, I think there is a lot of experience in it. Uh, types one, three, and five, and I'm going to avoid getting in the weeds here, but types one, three, and five have some similarities in that they are very logical, tend to be uh, problem solvers and approach things that way. And this can lead to not being able to see the nuance unless we practice it. Um, okay. so, so that can be something. There are other types that sometimes get lost in the nuance and can find it hard to pinpoint where they land um, and that can keep them sometimes from moving forward. So, it, so I think it does depend, um, depend on the types, but that is one of the similarities between you and I, type one and type three. <laughs> okay, there we <laughs> For go. Sure. Yeah. So, so um, type four, one of the shadow sides or one of the ways that we can get lost as type fours as leaders is to find it hard to sometimes take the next step because we haven't processed what's come before and we can get lost in, I don't know what to do next. Or if something isn't working out like that ideal creative vision that a type four had, they can maybe lose their steam, not want to take that next step and uh, feel like the details are bogging them down. And this can lead to frustration 
maybe reactivity with mm-hmm. the team, like, like um, not responding in healthy ways. And um, that's one of the things that can be really a struggle for, yeah, for a type four. And then one of those strengths that a type four can really lean into when they are being healthy and moving forward with their self-awareness is to be incredibly empathetic. Like they can connect on an, on an emotional level hmm. naturally uh, in like they have this natural talent to connect that way. Yeah. And so helping the team feel heard, feel seen like wow. straight to their core is a way that a type four can lean into a natural strength that way. So being able to rally a team emotionally is something that a type four can really do. Uh, and then to type five, one of the ways that a type five can get lost as a leader is wanting that having boundaries that might be too strict and not allowing people to see them. And there's, there's lots of reasons for this. It makes a lot of sense for a type five, but one of the ways that a type five can lean into their natural strength um, is to share their thought process is to show the ways that they're making these unique connections and Mm -hmm. solving problems in ways that other people might not be able to see and just allowing the people on their team to see their thoughts. It can be really difficult for a type five to allow other people to see their emotions unless Mm -hmm. they're in that inner circle. But one of my suggestions for a type five, lean into that natural strength you have of your imagination and just Mm -hmm. share that. You don't have to share all the other stuff or the personal if that's too much, depending on what group we're talking about, right? Um, But allow your team to see your thought process and why you're making your decisions. And and that will help connect them to what's going on, even if they don't always agree with what the decision Mm -hmm. is, or, you know, and you can still hold healthy boundaries as a type five, um, because they don't have to see all the other stuff that's going on inside but yeah. your team often has like a right or can benefit from seeing your thought process on things that concern them. And that can really connect them to you as a leader. Yeah. Um, as, as they get to know five. your thought process, they feel like they get to know you, even though right. they're not getting to know the hard mm-hmm. stuff that, that you don't want to let out yet. They feel like they're getting to know you, but I, I learned so much from top fives when they just explain how they got there. They just yes. tell me how you got there. Not only do I feel like I know you, I learn more from that than from what you actually told me, you know, we're going to do because their minds work Mm -hmm. in such an incredible way. Yes, absolutely. And the type five can still feel protected and feel like they aren't oversharing or get, you know, that vulnerability hangover that they can sometimes get, but everyone else feels connected to them uh, because often a type five is so observing and they kind of know what's going on with other people, but it can be hard to, for other people to see what's going on. So verbally sharing uh, that thought process not only helps connect, but like you said, it can help emotionally connect to the project or the outcome, the, the decision that's being made, but also it helps connect them to you as a person in a way that feels safe for you as well. Yeah. So that that's a really good um, thing for a type five to remember, lean into that natural strength um, and practice sharing it uh, is, is a good thing for a type six. One thing that can um, hinder maybe a type six's ability to lead well is 
their own distrust of their decisions. And this can be a real struggle for type six um, because they can see you know, all of the sides, they can see what might go wrong, depending mm-hmm. on which road you take, often the contingency plans. And well, if we follow this, it's going to lead here and it leads to this why in the road. Mm-hmm. And if we take that, it's going to lead us there. And this is what could go wrong. And this can cause a type six to get caught up in a hamster wheel of where are we headed as a group? What is mm-hmm. the next step? And this can lead to the team seeing that indecision, maybe what's going on, where are we headed? I'm frustrated because I don't know where we're going. What's the decision? And um, for a type six, leaning into the natural strength of problem solving and troubleshooting can be really helpful. Sharing some of the ways that you're making the decision or still mulling it over can help your team see why there isn't a decision yet. If that's the case, Mm -hmm. you don't have to pretend to be solid on the answer. If you aren't solid on the answer, you can be like, well, these are some things that might come our way. And this is how I've thought we would handle that. (laughs) Um, But this is where we're going to head until we maybe come up against some of those problems and being willing to share your thought process and trusting that it won't, uh, dampen your team's confidence in you as a leader. A type six understanding that your team can see you waffle. So mm-hmm. you might as well talk about it is one thing that can really help avoid um, losing that confidence in you as mm-hmm. a leader or, or feeling like they aren't safe following you. Uh, because a type six has natural strength to troubleshoot and to look out for that mm. worst case scenario. But if we try and hide that as a type six leader, if we try and hide where we might get tempted to get lost in the weeds of, of worst case scenarios, people are still going to see that we're doing that. So being willing right. to share your journey to your decisions a little bit can be really helpful for a type six. Uh, And then type seven, one thing that can be hard for a type seven leader is their natural tendency to want to follow the ideas that they have. And a type Mm. seven, I may have misspoken, a type seven has this natural ability to have these, it has a fast working mind that comes up with ideas very quickly. They are very creative ideas often, and and they feel very fun to that type seven. But sometimes a group who's following you can be like, wait, we didn't finish this yet. Like what's happening with this? If we go on that idea, then that means this one over here is tanked and we've spent a lot of work on it. And there can be just, um, it can be hard to know where they can serve you best as a leader, what their role is now. There can be just a lot of questions that come up. So for a type seven, uh, lean into that natural idea generating strength, but allow yourself to process it a little bit, maybe work it out with a trusted advisor before bringing that idea to your group, before saying, this is where we're going now, get on board. A type seven can really benefit from taking a breath Um, because some people are going to be as excited as you are. Some people are going to be frightened that they might not have a job anymore, or their role is going to be like pushed out because now we're doing something different. Um, And 
it can people's who people whose brain thinks differently than you as a type seven are going to have different ramifications, different emotional and mental ramifications to you maybe sharing an idea that won't ever happen, but is really exciting to talk about. Yeah. Uh, so, so being willing to take a breath as a type seven can, uh, can really help you a lot, but one of the natural strengths, um, is, is really just that creativity and that, uh, that positivity and being someone who wants other people to have a good time, you know, because they want to have a good time as well is a mm. natural strength for a type seven leader. There are some things to watch out for, like I said, but, um, but being a type seven leader is, is just as beautiful as all the others for sure. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, type eight sometimes can get lost in, uh, wanting to control feeling like they need to control. And this can come out in uh, telling people how it is, right? Type eight can yep. tell people how it is, but sometimes the delivery is not what's needed. And so, so a type eight can really benefit from thinking about the message they want to convey to whoever it is and taking a breath on delivery, right? One of the fears I think that a lot of type eights have is if I change or uh, temper my delivery, my message will get lost. And I, mm -hmm. I think that I, I don't think that's true because we all have different perspectives, right? And type eights are just like everybody else. They expect people to have the same perspective. Um, but when we, as a type eight, temper our delivery of whatever it is, good or bad, of what we need to say to communicate to that team, um, team member, when we look and allow them to be them, so we communicate to their heart, not from our heart, mm -hmm. but to their heart, then uh, the message that you want to get across can get across. And that's a beautiful thing for a type eight to learn is that your delivery doesn't have to be uh, your first inclination, like reactive for your message to get across um, in a way that's edifying and encouraging, even if it's not necessarily an easy conversation. You can um, soften the delivery without softening the message. Exactly. I think that's the fear of some of the eights that I've worked with. Is I don't want to soften the message. Okay, well, let's just look at how to soften the delivery. Because if you soften right. the delivery right, that message can still be strong and it needs to get out in the world. Right, exactly. Yes. And, um, you know, a type eight delivering a message to a type eight likely they aren't going to see it as conflict. They're going to see it as, oh, this was a conversation that needed to happen. I'm glad it got out there. Let's move on with life. Um, but, as, you know, someone who is not a different, who is a different type or who is not the leader, like naturally when there's a, some sort of hierarchy, when there is power involved, and let's say for now, the type eight is at the top, mm -hmm. you want to be very mindful of your delivery because you don't want to, uh, create problems where there wasn't a problem. You want to deal mm -hmm. with the problem that is already the problem. Um, and so a type eight recognizing that, that they could maybe cause problems in their delivery, or they can think about the heart of the person that they want to talk to and deliver whatever needs to be said in a way that they can hear it. Um, 
is, is really a, a good way for that type eight to lean into that natural strength of I'm okay talking about the hard things, mm-hmm. which is, which is a strength for a type eight as yes. a leader. It really is. Cause there are some, and we'll get in a minute, there are some types who would avoid talking about the hard thing and just watch yeah. a problem develop um, because of their fears. So, yeah. so I, I really do think that type eights can really shine as leaders. A lot of it is just understanding the hearts of the people that they're working with and yeah. speaking to their perspective in order the to get the thing, message across. The one thing that I wrote about in Next Level Leader that is probably the thing that that organizations struggle with the most across the country. Um, just in my time with us, I haven't done enough globally to really speak on it yet, but it's managing conflict because conflict is hard. And those Mm -hmm. eights have a gift to do what most people struggle with. So, um, if you're an eight and you are listening as a leader, if you can take that idea of, I bring a gift of managing conflict to the organization, but also take that truth of the best way to bring that message is to speak it to the heart of the individual. If you can take mm-hmm. those two things and kind of marry them together, I think eights can be some of the most special leaders that we've seen. Um, but just that realization of, does the message really matter if I didn't find a way for their heart to receive it, right? So if we can yeah. look for their heart, eights, I think can be phenomenal, phenomenal leaders that people love to follow. Absolutely. I 100% agree. Yes. Um, now when we talk about type nine, so we're almost done (laughs) and I'm sorry, this, this one answer has taken a long time, but when we talk about type nine, one of the things that they can really, uh, struggle with is what we just talked about talking about the hard things. And this can be hard. Now it makes just like everybody's, uh, every types kind of shadow side that we've talked about. It makes a lot of sense because of the fears, desires, and motivations that you have as a person. Uh, And for a type nine, it's, it's the same, right? Conflict feels like disrupting the peace. It feels like I'm not okay. And so why would I, as a leader want to want to go and create a problem? Um, But for a type nine, the perspective shift is, oh, no, there is a problem. Even though I haven't brought it up yet, the problem exists. And Mm -hmm. recognizing that, that there is a disconnect, even though everybody's pretending that it's not a disconnect yet. Um, And a type leader, uh, type nine leader can often see these things because they notice when things aren't peaceful. They notice when things are passive aggressive and they can see everybody's perspective pretty easily. So a type nine can be attuned to these things really easily, but then they can feel the weight of, oh, I don't want to be the one to uh, be provocative and get us into a conflict. But for a type nine, recognizing that it's already there, um, it's just hiding under the surface Uh, can be freeing for them to say, look at this, this is happening. Like I can see it. You need to see it. We need to deal with it. Leaning into the type nine's natural strength of finding commonality and of finding those ways that we are similar Mm -hmm. can help that type nine walk through hard conversations. Um, It usually just takes that first step of, 
owning that it's there and verbalizing that it's there for a type nine uh, to, to then lean into, okay, so now we're going to deal with this. This doesn't change my view about you. I still see your perspective, but there is something that we need to handle together. And a type nine, when they embrace that conflict often brings us closer together as a team, uh, when they embrace that, they can shine as a conflict mediator or someone who is able to have the hard conversations and speak to the heart because Mm -hmm. a type nine naturally speaks to the heart of someone else. But that can, sometimes they lean too hard into that and forget Mm -hmm. about their heart in the process or the discussion at hand. Yeah. Like often a type nine is, very concerned about alleviating hurt um, so that the conflict is over. But when for a type nine, the balance comes in, uh, I need to be okay saying the hard Mm -hmm. thing. Whereas we talked about type eight, they're okay saying the hard thing, need to practice the delivery to the the heart of the person Mm -hmm. they're speaking to. A type nine is going to naturally speak to the heart of the person, but also Mm -hmm. balancing that with this is the hard thing we're dealing with as I'm speaking to your heart um, is going to allow that type nine to shine as a leader. Well, the type eight leader and the type nine leader both have a gift for conflict. It's just one realizes Mm -hmm. it and one doesn't. But I, I would almost say this, Kim, I think they need to hear the same message, which is you can soften the delivery without softening the message because the eight needs to be reminded softening the delivery doesn't mean I'm softening the message. But for the nine, it needs to be reminded of, I can still deliver a crystal clear message because there is a problem while being soft to the delivery to speak directly to the heart. So uh, they need yeah. it for different reasons, but it's almost like they need the same thing. And, and I love, I know that that was one question, um, but this is one of the reasons why, and, and for the listeners who don't know, I don't ever give people questions that are guests on the podcast in advance because I want it to be an authentic conversation. And I didn't want you to rush through these. So that's incredible. No matter who you are, you've heard your type and you've heard kind of a shadow side of your leadership, but also a potential superpower and how to lean into it. But more importantly than hearing our own type, what I hope listeners are really grabbing is that they were listening for the types on their team and going, Mm -hmm. what is their leadership superpower? What is that shadow side that I could help them recognize so that they could be their best. So I'm going to ask you one more quick question and then we'll get out because I know that we are out of time. Um, But as a leader, if I'm looking at my team, the Enneagram is important for me, but more than anything, I'm I'm there to care for the people who I'm supposed to lead. So what are two things? Give me two things that every leader needs to know from the Enneagram perspective about the people on their team or about the, the type of that person. Yes. Yeah. Now I always caveat this because anytime we talk about any of the Enneagram in relation to us and and another person, I Mm -hmm. always want to say, do the work on your heart, do the work to be self-aware or else we might just use the Enneagram at people and not with them and not in connection with them. Um, So I do this with uh, relationships, marriage teams. You know, if we try and go deep with another person too quickly, we might not be noticing where we need uh, work 
And so we might just be using the Enneagram kind of as this uh, hammer on, on our team. Mm -hmm. And so we want to be very careful. But one of the things that I really think when you as a leader kind of understand your type, how you work and all those things, uh, it can be really helpful to use the Enneagram to understand where somebody is coming from. What are they afraid of? Or what do they think is the goal here? Mm. And it's going to be different for every type. A type three leader might be like, the goal here is to get it done so we can go on to the next thing. Like we want it to be done well, but we want it to be done, right? Yep. A type one follower is going to be like, well, you gave me this job to do. Yeah, it needs to be done, but it needs to be done well. The type three is like, it's done. And the type one follower is like, but it's not done well yet. It's not yeah. done well enough. I can't give it up yet because my piece of it is not perfect. And so that can create this disconnect. But if the type three leader recognizes that, oh, they're, they're, they actually have an emotional connection, this type one does, to all of the process and making sure that all the steps that they took are above reproach and are not going to be not going to have mistakes and that the end result is how they pictured it then the type 3 can speak to their heart and move the process along if it needs to be moved mm -hmm. but recognize that oh that's a valid concern that you have and how can we alleviate that while also like getting this project out the door yeah. like you know um because i am the leader and this is the timetable and what you did meets my standards even though the type one might be like well it didn't meet my standards you as a leader can speak to their heart while reminding them that their standards are part of the process but not the end all be That's all right, right? Um, so recognizing their motivation and where they're coming from can help alleviate frustration with what's going on um, as a leader and also help you speak to speak to their heart in the process mm -hmm. of leading them. Uh, another example might be a, a type six who is uh, concerned about the ways that a project might break down or something or uh, communication might not be good enough and they just don't feel like they know all the ins and outs of what's going on letting them in on the process while coaching them to take a confident step forward can be really helpful for them to, to learn to trust the process that you're leading mm -hmm. them through and also um, be a voice into, well, have you thought about this contingency? Have you thought about this? And, and allow them to be themselves while also coaching them to, uh, to grow beyond some of the fears yeah. because there's a team working with them and they can trust the process. Uh, so, so those are just a couple of examples. Another thing that can really help is to recognize uh, their, their natural strength uh, inside their type. So again, a type mm -hmm. one is going to be often very focused on the process. A type nine is going to be very focused on the community and the unity. And a type seven is going to be very focused on, well, are we enjoying the process? You know, like, mm -hmm. is this, is this fresh and, and is this, or is this getting boring? Um, a type five might be very focused on 
keeping their head down and doing the work and, and please don't overwhelm me while I'm trying to work or, or whatever that is. And a type four might be focused on the beauty of the process. And, and are we bringing this to light? Like, is this uh, a representation of who we are? And that's very important. So recognizing some of the ways that their natural strengths can enhance whatever, whatever the organization, mm-hmm. the family, or whatever that is, um, is working towards together can help people feel like they're heard and seen. So number one, recognizing their fears and desires, why they might be stuck, why they might be causing some frustration or, mm-hmm. or why they might look to you like the weak chain. And then, so that's number one. And then number two is recognizing how, uh, how strong of a link they are when you allow them to flourish as themselves. Those are the yeah. two big things uh, when it comes to using the Enneagram as a leader, when it comes to mm-hmm. uh, leading people of different types, I think. Wow. That is so good and so helpful because often we we don't go past the fact that we think they're a weak chain. Mm-hmm. And it's often mm-hmm. it's as simple as moving someone's role or shifting right. their job description or simply shifting the perspective about why you're asking right. them to do uh, what they need to do. And I'm a big believer that one of the greatest indicators of a next level leader that I didn't write about in the book, that organizations I wish would look at is the churn rate. Do right. people want to stay on that team? Okay. If you're hiring and firing people on a regular basis, that tells me that as a leader, you're not getting to the heart. As a leader, you're focused on the bottom line, but you're costing the organization money the leaders that can take the team they get and make it work and make it succeed because they're speaking to the heart because they understand their people, they're going to have a low churn rate. And I think that's a great indicator of a good leader. So this has been an absolute gift. And for our listeners, I really hope that if nothing else, that you got this out of this conversation, every type on the Enneagram is a leader and has leadership (laughs) ability and, and has incredible things to bring to a team. There are types that you know, a, a lot of times us, us threes, you know, the eights, we see ourselves as leaders. People see ones as leaders, but no matter what type you are, whether you see yourself as a leader or not, you have something special to bring to the team that you're on. And every type on the Enneagram can lead and can lead well. So we hope that you are hearing that and that you're walking away encouraged, knowing who you are better as a leader and that you're ready to lead your team well, because we believe that regardless of your type, every single person has leadership in them. And more than that, you have greatness in you. You have a gift that God put in you to give to the world. The world's so much better with it in it. So Kim, thank you so much for today. Um, This has been so good. If you've enjoyed it as much as I have, because I've learned a ton, I would love to have you back on the podcast. We may need to have a few conversations to really unpack all this. Um, there's so much more we could talk about. So thank you so much for pouring into the Next Level Leader community. Um, why don't you tell us, for the leaders that are listening, how they can follow you and how they can connect with you if they wanted you to um, be a part of their development or to help them really put into practice using the Enneagram with their team? Yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, I am up for all of these conversations. This is my jam. This is my this is my thing. So anytime you want, like I am up for it. Uh, you can uh, your listeners can find me on 
Instagram, that's kind of where I hang out the most. Christian Enneagram.coach is my handle there. Um, I do have a website, Christian Enneagram.coach as well is, is where I am, not.com. Don't go there. I don't know where that goes. Christian Enneagram.coach. Um, and I, I, uh, my book, is that okay if I just share the, what the book is? Absolutely. Um, it's, it's probably the book. easiest way. Yeah, it's probably the easiest way to kind of get my philosophy around that for anybody who's wondering. Um, and it's the Enneagram for Beginners, a Christian guide to understanding your type for a God-centered life. While that isn't a leadership-focused book, it can be really helpful for you or you and your team to work through together, find your type, look at some of those things we talked about, the the motivations that might be driving them and some of the strengths that they might have as individuals. Um, I do sometimes do uh, like development training for teams to help you really dig into what's going on here. How can we meld together and, and form a cohesive team that really does allow people to shine and really does move forward as a group uh, with a mm. vision. And, and that's really fun for me to do as well. So, so that's where you can find me. I am always up for talking about the Enneagram. It's my favorite thing. Um, and I love doing that from a team perspective for sure. Yeah. Awesome. So you heard it right here. Kim would love to serve your team. If you feel like that's a need that you have, you can get in touch with her. And if you ever need help getting in touch with her, just go to Jeff Cochran dot online, leave me a message and I will connect you with Kim. So Kim, thank you so much. Thank you for your book. Um, thank you for the time you've taken with our listeners today and our podcast. Um, every time that I hear you speak on the Enneagram, every time I see a post from you, I know that it is helping someone. I know the heart that it's come with. So um, you really are in ways that maybe you don't even see a next level leader in your own right. And I'm so grateful that you were on the podcast today. So um, thank you for that. Go give Kim a follow. And uh, remember, we always say it every single week, but we can lead at the next level. We can grow together one step, one day at a time.